Hi, and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I am your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I am so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about parenting things, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. Now, today we are talking with my friend, Hannah. Hannah and I met our senior year of high school and both realized we were going to Auburn, and it is a crazy story for another day that I promise I will share with you. It's really good. But we decided to be roommates for our freshman year, and that just continued through our senior year. She's now married to Lance and has three kids and lives in Franklin, Tennessee. I have always loved processing life with Hannah. She has great wisdom and this unique ability to put perspective on any circumstances. So we talk about her transition to becoming a mom, how it is challenging but good for her, and you are going to love this conversation. Here it is. You're good at painting pictures of the way things, you know, like helping us experience what it felt like and all of that. So paint the picture of your life pre-kids. Um, okay, pre-kids. Like but... after, you know, like after college, pre-kids. We don't need to go back to like your baby days or anything. <laughs> in the seventh grade. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. Okay, pre-kids, I was living in New York City and – um I worked in advertising full time as a photo producer. And so I got to travel and do all these fun things. And like big projects, um, like big projects. Really like cool we stuff. worked on big clients because it was a big ad agency. And so it was, you know, the American Expresses and the Ikeas and all these like big legitimate brands. And we would get to travel places to produce these photo shoots for our client and for the brand. And yes. so it was really unique and really fun. And um, I lived on the Upper West Side with three other girls. And so I had this very quintessential, um, you know, sex in the city without the sex kind yeah. of experience. <laughs> yes, you know? yes. It, we just got to go eat at all the fun restaurants. Yep. We went to all the Broadway shows. We walked. We carried our Christmas tree, you know, from the corner lot. We had mice in our building and had these, like, hilarious stories where our Yugoslavian super would come and help get the mice out of our apartment like yes. it just was out of a movie yes. it honestly felt like that and um on the side I was doing some uh kind of DIY stuff with furniture because I got in the habit of like walking home from work so I worked in Hell's Kitchen and I lived on the Upper West Side so it was like a 40 block walk. And I would use that time to like catch up with friends and call my mom or call my dad. It was like just kind of a habit. And I would see furniture left on the side of the street because in New York, when it doesn't fit in your building or your elevator or your, you know, your moving truck, it, it lives on the street until it gets picked up by the trash people. And so I would grab stuff that I could hold that didn't have fabric on it. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, not That's trying gross. to like, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to be gross about it, but you, you would not believe what you would see. Yeah. Like, really cool mirrors, bar carts, um, chairs, lamps, like all sorts of stuff. And I'd bring it home and I would redo it and started chronicling this on a blog. And I would have Street Merch Monday where I would take this stuff I found on the street and I would show the before and afters and kept this up. Street Merch Mondays. So it was like a real thing. And, and it was very when, cool. It was so cool. Well, and she did a very was, good job. Yeah. Well, it was really fun. And, you know, New York just provides like the best content. And so 
would do that. And funny enough, it started getting picked up by some different TV shows in New York and in LA. And so it became kind of this side gig to my advertising job that I would go on shows as a design expert or a DIY expert. And I would, you know, do a project. Mm -hmm. And so my boss at my ad agency was so supportive of this. So literally I would on my like, because, you know, in advertising, you have like a two hour lunch break. <laughs> I would, that was like so advertising. We would, um, I would like dress nice for the day, take a long lunch. I would like walk 10 blocks to, I think it was like the CBS studios for like the Nate Burkus show. And I would film a segment mm-hmm. and then I would come back and finish my day. Like that was frequent. Yes. I would do that. Yes. So it feels like a different life now but you know also along that time I started dating my husband we had like such a fun dating um season in New York like it's as fun as you think it would be like again New York just provides really great content and so just walking around and uh you know fun restaurants and and like fun couple friends that y'all had we had this really great church we went to and we would go see music and, you know, go to shows and just do all the things. Yes. And then, you know, people always want to come visit. And so we always had people cycling through to see us. So it was, it was a really colorful, wonderful, autonomous period right. in my life. Right. That's such a good way. It, Those words are like perfect for it. Just like a really <laughs> vibrant season. Like it was, it was really vibrant. Yeah. And I, I could feel the vibrancy in it. Like yes. I felt all the things I felt how wonderful it was. I really did. Yes. Okay. Now let's jump to you and Lance get married. Uh Uh-huh. And then how much time was it before y'all got pregnant? I think we had Rosie like two or two and a half years into being married. In New York. In New York. Yes. Yep. Yep. And we, um, yeah. No. And then at what point? Y'all had Rosie. At what point did y'all move? Oh, well, um, Lance had started working for a nonprofit kind of right before we had Rosie, I guess. And it was a great job and we loved it. And the people that were running it said, hey, FYI, we are probably going to move our little headquarters to Atlanta or Nashville. And we said, great. We're from the South. We would love like we have. You know, when you live in New York and you know you're not going to live there forever, right. you are kind of keeping your eyes open to your ticket out and like what the best way to exit is because you don't want to like flee from New York or leave because it's hard because it is hard. You're right. But, you know, we were always looking for like the right exit strategy. And so that made a lot of sense. Well, so we have Rosie. I have her, you know, at Beth Israel Hospital on the Lower East mm-hmm. Side, like total it's just, it's funny to think about that now because we live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is like the opposite yes. of New York, yes. but had her there. That's what all my friends that were ahead of me did. So it didn't feel scary. Um, Rosie is probably eight weeks old, seven or eight weeks old when Lance's boss calls and he says, yep, we are moving to Franklin. And in my like post baby, I was like, okay, great. Like I didn't even fight it. I was like, great. So we moved when she was like nine or 10 weeks old. And we moved to a little house in downtown Franklin that we had not seen. We had like seen from like at the time, you know, you do Craigslist for like these kind of rentals. Yes. And we had had some friends that lived, some friends of our from college that live in Franklin. They went and looked at the house. They were like, it's really cute. And so we 
moved everything, including our black lab, Norma, and drove to a house that we had never seen and started our season in Franklin. I mean, so the transition to that, like you think about (laughs) all the huge changes that you made within a span of like three months. Well, totally. Because I had worked full time up until the day I had Rosie. Like I left and and like a day later had like gone into the hospital to have her. And so I was on maternity leave while this decision to move was made. Mm -hmm. So I'm adjusting to be a mom. And I think maybe in the back of my mind, I thought, I, well, honestly, I don't know that I had really ever thought, will I stay home? Will I work? Like, what will I do? I don't think I really considered it. And so there was a lot wrapped up into that transition because we were moving places. I had become a mom and I was leaving my job that I had worked at for almost eight years. Right. And I don't think I knew all of that transition was wrapped up in moving, but it was. Right. It was. Right. So it it definitely made for, um, it, I, I would totally say it was a rocky transition, not necessarily to Franklin, but more me like stepping into this new role and right. what that would mean. Right. I mean, everything, it, well, I, everything is a little dramatic, but like so many things that like oh, yeah. were life-giving to you, like this city that you lived in and this church you loved yes. and this job and then the, yes. the street merch and the design stuff, like all yeah. of that stuff was life-giving. Yes. And then it's completely changed and that's huge. Oh. It was so big. And I, I had always thought that I would be, that being a mom would be really, you know, intuitive for me. And I had seen so many people be moms and I babysat and yes. I'm like a warm personality. And I, I thought I didn't expect a lot of problems, like to be honest. And that was like the opposite of my experience. It was like the least intuitive thing to me. And I felt so like emotionally reactive to my baby mm-hmm. like which you're not crying. you're not typically emotionally not. reactive which is weird I feel like motherhood has brought out this like <clears throat> crazy side of me that probably was there the whole time but maybe I didn't have a lot of um challenge that I was up against where this was like this was a real challenge and I see other people doing it so easily and it just didn't feel easy for me and then mix in like the move and I don't, I'm not autonomous at my job anymore. I don't know the expectations. And it just, it threw me for a loop. Right. Like it really, it really did. Right. And so, yeah, I, you know, I wish I could like go back and redo those like first six months, but you know, it, it was there for a reason and, um, it's got, it's definitely gotten better. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I want to, I want kind of some more details around like what the specifically about parenting, Mm-hmm. That you envisioned what you envi- how it was different than what you envisioned. Oh my gosh! Well, in the first year, I just thought, okay, I've read Baby Wise, <laughs> I've read this other book. I'm gonna do what they say, and I will get what they said I'll get. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I thought. And did you know that that does not happen? Like, that's <laughs> not what happens. <laughs> so that I think that was like the biggest learning for me, like day one that I continue to learn in mothering is like, just because I do it all right, does not mean I'm going to get the output that I'm expecting, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think 
I think continually I'm like fighting against um, taking that personally. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I like take motherhood personally, mm-hmm. even though everyone's like, you know, it's, it doesn't really come down to you. Like sometimes they're just, your kids are like this or, you know, you can do your best, but then it's up to them. But I don't know. It always feels like super personal to me. I have this funny, like emotion that gets triggered with my kids, not sentiment or like tenderness, but like, I just feel like really, um, emotionally reactive to my kids. Right. Right. You know? Right. So gosh, parenting is like, it's like the most refining thing, you know, because it's, it's just always calling into account, like kind of your coping. Uh And it's like, oh yeah, you're, you cope, you cope by keeping things really orderly and calm. Yes. Well, kids don't keep things orderly and calm. And so, you know, it's, it's really good. It's like all these things that I had, like my little house of cards that I had built up of like how I function got totally like dismantled dismantled and resorted, you know? And it's like work, I'm continuing to like build that back up. Like Lance is really, really helpful in like, you know, helping me figure out what I need before I need it. Right. Cause I think that's another pickle I get into is, um, you know, it, it's, (laughs) it's like that episode of, or that part in bridesmaids where she's like, it's happening. It's happening. And she can't (laughs) like, it's like, uh, you need to, you need to make it to the potty before it's happening. Yes. Like, that's kind of yes. like me with mothering. It's like, okay, how do I get ahead of this a yes. little bit so I can receive it instead of react to it? Whether that's like grumpy kids after school, whether it's injury, like all the things. Right. I'm just constantly like noodling my process to yes. get it to where I can receive a little bit like calmer and more graciously, you know? Do you feel like, cause now you have three kids. Mm-hmm. Girl, two boys, ages yeah. four to third, third grade, uh, second grade. Yeah, four to four to eight. Yeah, four to eight. Yeah. Uh huh. Do you feel like after, like at this point, you've like made some strides in that ability to stay, or like ability to respond in a way that you want to? Yes. I mean, gosh, I hope so. It it is. It is daily. Like I, I've been in this great Bible study, like the whole time we've lived in Nashville, um, BSF, which you're in that too. And I feel like what I love about it is it's not a study for moms. It's a study of the Bible. And so like any parts of the Bible are so relevant to like me as a mom or me as a wife. Like, I don't need like a study on being my true self or being a better mom. It's like, I just need the Bible stories of like, how Jesus did the day to day and like all of those things. And so I, I am constantly feeling like I am learning God's character through this study. Mm -hmm. And I'm like thinking about how that applies to me as a mom. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's like, how am I talking to my children? Like how, like just, it's really that simple. Like how am I talking to them? So that's kind of always in the forefront of my mind. It doesn't always get applied. It doesn't always get done well. But um, I would say like from the first part of being a mom to like this now second half, if you divide it up the eight years, it's like, it is just present in my mind that these things are important. Right. You know, just how I'm speaking to my kids, how I am, like, am I distracted? Like, you know, all of those things where I don't think that was on my radar as much in the first few years. Well, I kind of wonder if in the first, not, you know, the first 
season, first chunk, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was like, oh, I can do this on my own because I'm like, I mean, you, of course, had a relationship with Jesus then and you were following him. It wasn't that. But like, oh, I can kind of control these things and I can do this on my own. And then this now you're realizing like, nope, nope, I can't like, nope. That I need Jesus and on a daily minute, like totally second by well, second. I think yeah. too. I mean, I think such a big thing was learning. Like you know, you hear that ridiculous statement: "God will not give you more than you can handle." Right. Which no. like is not <laughs> biblical, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, do you know what? We're actually guaranteed that He does give us more. Like, <laughs> like that's the guarantee. You know, like part of RBS at this past week was some we watched this little video and one of the statements was that your circumstances are crucial to your call. Like my loaded up circumstances, even my like feeling angry at my children, that is all crucial to my call because there is like opportunity for God to move in those places Mm -hmm. and to be available in those places and to teach me in those places, you know? So I, I'm, I mean, I am a work in progress <laughs> like, to the max, to the max, max. <laughs> well, hopefully like when we have this, this, when we ch- transition this podcast to like four grandparents, when we're like oh my 70, gosh. we'll still yes. be like, we're still a work in progress. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. Like, but you part know. of that is like, I know, I mean, don't you think like you just grow your humility too, as you get older, yeah. like. You know, it's like so funny how we're wired where we're so cocky in our 20s. You know, part of that's good. You know, it's Uh like gets your life momentum going and you try new things and you meet new people like you need that kind of in the same way that like elementary kids don't need shame as part of their like Uh operation. It's good. You know, so like in your 20s, you're so confident and you know, like we know everything, like yes. we've seen it all. Yes. And then in your thirties, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is like not going. No, I thought this it is a little harder than I thought. It's, yeah. It's a little harder, yeah. but we're starting to understand that this is just life. Yeah. Like that's just how it rolls. Yeah. You know, we'll never, we'll never not have a bill that sneaks up on us. We'll yes. never not have, like, we will never have a calm season. I think in your twenties, you're like, well, when things calm down. Yeah. And I think like into my mothering, it's like, Oh, it doesn't ever calm down. Yes. You know, so like how, how should I operate like in the thick of it? Yeah. Cause it doesn't, it's not going to calm down. These things are not going to go away. They will be replaced with other stressors or, you know, other right. things. And right. So, that is so that's good. Just the reality. What? Okay. I want you to think that there is like a new mom listening to this right now. What perspective do you have now that you think would be encouraging to them? Um, I think to a new mom, it's, I mean, you had all like lots of days of overwhelm, like overwhelmed, lots of days of like, this is, I mean, awful maybe. (laughs) Yes. Like like, so awful. Like, oh my gosh, my oldest, when she was a baby, she had a little buddy named Piper who they were six weeks apart. We did everything together. And Rosie was like, she would like scratch Piper or like push her over or I was always like what are my kids the only ones that do this kind of stuff and I think now I'm like oh man there is such a wide range of normal like yes people people just talk about it differently and people present differently and I think 
I, as like a one on the Enneagram kind of present my whole self. Like if I'm having like a funky kid day, I'm not coming to a meeting saying, Hey, we're doing great. I'm kind of like, Hey, it was a rocky morning and we're here, but like, here we go. And I, I just feel like I present usually like the whole thing. And I feel like a lot of people, it's not a bad thing are more private. They present the good stuff. Um, you don't get the whole picture. Right. And so I think as I, as I age, I'm like, man, other people's wins do not like that has nothing to do with me. Like I, yes, I don't want to be, um, my sister and I were just talking about this week and I mentioned in Ivy, your book that you recommended us that Sumont kid book first light. Yeah. She tells this story of this dad coming up to her at the end of a, like a speaking engagement. And he just kind of goes off on her and she is in the state of mind where she felt like she emptied herself and she could just receive him without taking it upon him. Mm -hmm. Like she didn't, she didn't like take on his burden. She just received it and listened. And afterwards he was like, I, I, I am so sorry that I just dumped all of that on you, all that opinion of what you should be doing better. Huh? But she diffused it because she just like received it. And so I think I would say like to new moms and just, I'm saying this to myself too, like I want to be emptied out so I can receive, not so I can like take on, like, I don't want my friends who have kids reading Harry Potter in first grade, that should not make me feel weird about my kid that doesn't have that easy of a time reading. Like it's not all, I I think this is maybe what I'm summing up. I don't have to take it personally. Like I still like in all the things, like I don't have to take it personally. Like I want to be emptied out so I can say that is so awesome. That is not a criticism or a comparison to me or my kid yes. or my parenting. Yes. You know? Yes. But I think because people present differently, they, I, I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't feel easy to do that. It feels easy to be like, well, gosh, we're not there or my kid's not doing this, or that's really hard for my kid, or that's really easy. Like, I just feel like, man, I, I, maybe that's like my advice to a new mom. It's like, just have perspective that you don't always know what's going on with someone. I know. And you don't have to take things personally because oh, usually it's not about you, you know? Yes. That is so good. Yeah. I, well, why um, is it so e- It's just our natural or we just, Like, this is what we, like, jump to is they're doing – their kid is doing that. It must mean something's wrong with my kid. Right. Why do we we do that? We aren't seeing – we aren't seeing every – like, we're seeing so much more of our child than we're seeing. We're seeing the whole thing. Yes. Yes. Which I think about our friends, like, our our friends are on Marco Polo, which is, like, a video – I don't even know. Whatever. You can look it up. It's great. <laughs> We're getting in touch with people. But one of the things that I love about that is we get on there and it's like, oh my gosh, this, I, I, I just was really unkind to my kid because they were driving me crazy. Yes. And these yes. are the things that you don't often have in casual conversation. Right. And this is why you need real friendship. Yes. Like this is like the most important thing. To like being a new mom. Yes. You have to have friends. And I don't mean just like top level friends. I mean like real friends that you're doing real things with. And if they're not in your city, then 
that's totally okay. Like you're saying with our Marco Polo, it's like, we live all over the country, you know, but we are all transparent. Like you get to see the whole picture with our friends. Right. Well, and for you who it's like, I think it helps when you become a person who's willing to go to, to open up and say, yes, I am. Cause you've been that way. Like you have shared with us, like guys, I am really (laughs) struggling. Like, and what that does is it takes down the guards and allows everybody to be their real selves. Totally. And not think that you're living in this horrible universe where your kid's the only one that's having a hard time or you're the only mom that's like feeling overwhelmed. Right. And I think too, I think by doing that too, it helps me reset my expectations. It's like my expectations can really get nutty. Where it's right. like, I, my kids should not be doing this or we should be, you know? Right. And I think when, when you have like transparent friendships, you're like, oh, okay. Again, like this range of normal is a lot bigger than I thought, you know? Yes. It's, yes. it's not so narrow. Yes. And I think when you're just looking at your kids, you're like, right. no one is losing their mind at the grocery store like my kids are. Yeah. Right. You know? and, but it's like, but they, they are, are. We're they are seeing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the other thing um, about a new mom, I feel like, like you don't have when your baby is like, you're on this like kind of structured schedule of feeding and mm-hmm. napping and da, da 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 da. It's very easy and normal to feel isolated. Oh yes, like because you do, you get kind of stranded at your house, and yes. I think too, if I could go back, I would tell myself, don't do any like you know what's her name, easiest baby on the block says. um, is or no it's it's some like uh, some british <laughs> mom book person okay but she says start as you mean to go on okay so i love that that's good she basically said don't start any crazy habits that you're gonna have to maintain okay so that's like half of my thinking my other half is do what's easiest like <laughs> if these things are causing so much trouble like just don't do them you know what i mean like i just I think I tried, I think I made things so much harder than they needed to be because of these expectations I had. And give a practical example of that. Like, um, Oh, like just sticking to like a three hour feeding schedule or that's right. Yeah. Or or like my youngest, like my youngest did not sleep through the night until like 16 months. (laughs) Like he just didn't, he just didn't. And I have, you know, some friends that are like, just put him in his room and don't go in there till the morning. I just am like, I can't do that. I wish I could. I wish I could, but I, this is this emotional reactiveness thing that I'm talking about. Like I just have the hardest time with that. Like part of it's like a volume thing where I'm like, I can't hear it. Like I just can't hear it or it makes my blood pressure go up. Um, but I, I don't know. I wish I would have just like, accepted that maybe I wish I would have accepted some realities more instead of fought against Mm -hmm. you know even like with like you know a kid that wakes up 45 minutes into what should be a three-hour nap you're like oh dear lord and those are the kinds of things that will cause you to feel like lose your mind yeah they're so real in the moment yes they are they're so overwhelming in the moment like that is your whole reality is like this precious nap schedule you've set up you know and the way you eat and like you're just operating all this control over these things. And the reality is like, you just can't like, 
as my mommy always has always said, like babies do not sleep with a stopwatch. Like they, <laughs> no, they're not managing their time. They are like little humans. And so sometimes they don't sleep great. Sometimes they wake up early, like just like us. Right. And so, um, I wish I could have just rolled with it more. You know, I think I spent a lot of time being really uptight and high strung. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people that like observed me would say that, but like my husband would be like, Oh my gosh, she's so high strung with these children. Right. Right. Yeah. I wish I could like undo that. Yeah. I, I do feel like you've, I, from a, my perspective, I don't know, Lance might have a different, but I, my perspective is (laughs) you have like relinquished a little bit of control with it. Yes. I totally have. I totally have. Yeah. What, like I was telling you when I got in the car, I was so frazzled or got on our, this right. Zoom with you. I was so frazzled because I just went on a quick walk with a friend in between like elementary drop-off and preschool drop-off. And it was so wonderful. Henry, my youngest rode his bike. It was delightful. Well, he asked me, where are we going now, mom? And I say, well, we're going to school and he loses <laughs> his mind and he runs into the yard yells that I'm stupid and then comes and kicks the car so like uh, if I'm not humbled I am like nothing like, right. I I get it I am like I I see this lord I feel humility here like oh my but God. then you had it in you to get on here and do the zoom you didn't let well, that yeah, deter you I think yeah well it's I like, think I'm like you know what we're holding the tension like yes. we're just holding the tension of it all yes. and Um, I think too, like for young moms, for like my younger self, I would say like, you know, the hard, bad things feel like they are etched in the stone and like the good things feel like they're written in sand. It's like, where it's like the good things feel so fleeting and they feel like they have no weight because the bad things feel so overwhelming and permanent. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I'm just, as I get closer to 40, it's like, okay going to hold the tension of like, it's not all good. It's not all bad at yes. the same time, that's you know, good. and that's just, that's just what it is. That yeah. is life. You know, it's like, we're coming to terms with what life really is. Yeah. That's and so, so it's good. like, okay, let me enjoy the really joyful parts. And then let me like hold the neck the heart yeah. roll off my shoulders yes. a little bit, yes. a little bit more, you know? So good. So. Okay. I want you to talk about how you have been able to do some of your creative stuff in okay, this I love, season. Yeah, I love this question. So um, I grew up with a flight attendant mom and a creative director dad. Uh-huh. And so that was like this, that made me into this combo of like uh, practical creativity. Okay. Yep. And so I went to Auburn and was a painting major at Auburn and loved that. Um after that, you know, moved, started working in advertising, which was kind of where art meets commerce. It was creative, but it was also very, you know, um, production oriented, like organized, all those things. So again, like kind of the art, art meets commerce. Um, but you know, then I start doing this, like finding furniture and redoing it and painting it and designing rooms a little bit. And that starts growing into more interior based things. So even when I was at New York in New York, I would do like one room renovations on, in someone's apartment. Or when I was going on these shows, it was more like transform this room with a limited budget type Mm -hmm. thing. So I 
it's really fun seeing how God, like, he has let me like grow this little creative thing. It's just taken on these different forms. So then when we moved to Franklin, one of my first friends, her husband was a builder and he said, Hey, will you come like try your hand at making selections for me on these custom spectrums we're building in downtown Franklin, which is this really charming historic area. And I was like, okay, I know I can have, I have the orderly side, right. From production, but then it also lets me be creative. Like so again, great. This, yes, it's a fun combo of those two things. And so I start making selections for him. He starts selling these really cool houses. We build like 11 houses or something like that. And I get to do, I'm basically the client. Like I get to make all of the selections on the interior. So think, you know, tile and paint color and countertops and, you know, all this fun stuff. And that has grown through word of mouth um, to be like a pretty consistent flow of like interior design clients, builders, and then just like people that need help pulling it together. And then like a couple years ago on a whim, a friend is like, Hey, do you think you could paint a picture of this girl's house? I'm, I'm, she's the realtor. She's selling this house um, to one of our college friends, which is like this whole fun, small world. And so I paint this home portrait of this house as a closing gift for this friend. And that starts this new thing where I paint home portraits of people's homes. So they send me a picture of the exterior of a home and I paint a picture of it. And so I have always had this like creative thing going. It's just taken on different lives and it's, it's been really fun. It feels like God always like tweaks it to be exactly what I can like fit in to my world at the time. So So when people ask what I do, I'm like, Oh, I'm mostly mom. I'm like mostly a mom who's home, but I get to do all these like fun side things. It's, It's through word of mouth, um, which makes it feel like natural and organic and, well, you, ha- it, you also just, have the freedom to say yes or no, or like, I have right. capacity for that. I don't. And you can do it totally. on your own time. Yeah. Totally. Totally. It's I, it's something I feel super thankful for. Um, I'm glad in the beginning, like, I do think there's been a little bit of wanting to hold on to like parts of my former life, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm glad that I, that God's helped me like relinquish that control a little bit because I think I'd be disappointed if I kept some expectation of what I thought art and creativity would look Mm, like in my life. Yeah. Being open to like what he had, because it really has been so, um, like it's been like a, a source of joy for me to like have like this creative outlet Mm -hmm. in these different forms, like through the past, you know, 15 years. Um, it's been fun for me. It's been like a connect point. It's, I don't know. It's like really been like a fun little thing that I've gotten a part of, you know, it. And you're so, you're just, Hannah is like one of the most talented people, like so talented, just great. Like her home portraits are amazing. I'm obsessed with all of her design work, you know, quick quick story about Hannah's design that I, that I just love. So my husband and I went on our honeymoon. And we left Hannah with the keys to our apartment. And it was like <laughs> like an empty apartment. And Hannah, with the help of her mom. And all of your money from your wedding. Yes. And you all, all, all of my gift cards and all of the, our wedding <laughs> gifts. 
They staged our entire apartment, like like set it up for us to live in. Like curtains were hung, like everything. And so we get back from our honeymoon and walk into our apartment and it is like walking into like a, it was like a, I cried. It was like a reveal, like like an HGTV reveal minus the cameras. And that is, and so like Hannah's uh, aesthetic style, like it's just like, It's, oh, I just love it. It's like my version of home, you know? You're so sweet. Well, it's really fun to think of all the like, you know, because you and I, we were college roommates. Uh Like, don't you remember? I remember vividly going to pick out denim covers from Bed Bath & Beyond. We thought we were very... We trendy. And we brought your sister. We were like, Kendall, what do people do in dorms? Like, <laughs> denim comforters is what they do. So we went to Bed Bath and Beyond and got denim comforters. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh. And it was totally cute. But everyone thought our you know, dorm room was very sty- like styled. It was and wonderful. very cute. But it was very cute. And we, just, we're not going to post know, pictures of it because it, we don't think it's cute anymore. No. But. I think of like the house we lived in and I I think of all of your cute houses. And then, you know, too, like you've been such a cheerleader of my design work because think about like, you've been on an episode of Uh, Nate Berkus. Watched and all that. And so it's fun to, it's fun to think back on all of that. Yeah. It just, I, I just love the example that it's like, okay, God will give you opportunities to continue. Yeah. Just because you're a mom doesn't mean you're not going to be able to use your gifting that he's given no. you. And so no. he, and I can like pretty much guarantee that he will give you opportunity. Right. It, it just, it won't look exactly like you think it will. Right. You know, um, I think something that's been really helpful for me is understand. And you, you have heard a lot of this from me, but like, understanding who I am and what my offering is. Mm-hmm. I think for a while with interior design stuff, because I did not go to school for interior design. I can't use CAD. Like I am not like a super professional designer person, but I have like a little skill set. I've had really fun opportunities. And so in Nashville, I had to like intentionally stop comparing myself to like what I consider real designers. That's good. Yeah. And just, embrace like this funny offering that I have and that people, you know, like I, I get like calls often, you know, it's like, I have this steady little stream of interest. Right. I don't think I have to be anything other than me. Right. really what it is. Yes. Like that's, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And I can hone my skills and I can continue to develop all of that, but I just get to be me, which is really freeing. Because I don't want to feel pressure to be like a CAD designer that went to school for all of no. this. Like, that's not me. Be you. And that's totally yeah. okay. Yeah. That's so that's good. helpful. That is so good. I mean, come on. That Hannah. I can always count on her to drop these words of wisdom and bring a refreshing perspective no matter what the topic is. I just love her. And I love processing things with her. And one of the things that I kind of keep thinking about is this idea that Hannah brought up, that you are seeing a much bigger picture of your child than you are seeing of anyone else's child. And every child is on their path to get to where they're supposed to be. Every child is unique and wonderful, but let's be honest, every child has struggles. 
So keep in mind, you as the parent are probably the most privy to your child's complexities. And I wonder if the enemy ever uses that gap in perspective to cause us to feel discontent, frustrated, or defeated by our parenting circumstances. Hmm. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote in Philippians, and he writes this. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you. I have learned to be content no matter what happens to me. I know what it's like not to have what I need. I also know what it's like to have more than I need. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I am content whether I am well-fed or hungry. I am content whether I have more than enough or not enough. I can do all this by the power of Christ. He gives me strength. And as I read that, I was thinking of it with this parenting lens that if we put like a parenting lens over that verse, it could sound something like this. I know what it's like to have sleep and I know what it's like to not have sleep. I know what it's like to have a happy child and I know what it's like to have a child melting down in the middle of the store. I know what it's like to receive a good report from the teacher at pickup and I know what it's like to receive a bad report from the teacher at pickup. I am content either way. I can do this by the power of Christ. He gives me strength. Now, I wonder what impact it makes in a child's life to experience a parent, a mom or dad that finds contentment in the power of Jesus Christ, finds strength from Jesus Christ. And as I say that out loud, honestly, guys, I am a parent. I am cringing. I am cringing at the times I have allowed my children's behavior to dictate my joy. Oh, like, are y'all with me? Like, how many times have I allowed my child's behavior to dictate my joy, my contentment in the day? Lord, Lord, help us be parents that by your strength and power are content no matter the circumstances. Thank you for listening, my friends. I know I've been behind in posting and giving you new conversations. Y'all, I have been on a career roller coaster the past couple of months. Uh, it's kind of a little too fresh to go into here, but just, just know I really appreciate y'all continuing to listen and stick with me on the Four Parents podcast. I am excited to get back into sharing more with you. I'll talk to you next time.